Hello, this is Christina Mandlachiani, co-founder of Mindvalley, and you're listening to Cut to the Chase podcast. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. And welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 124, entitled Finding a Balance for Equal Partners. So today we've brought forth a dear friend of mine to talk about this topic because it's been such an important topic for the last several hundreds of years is finding a balance for equal partners. And as we know, in every disagreement, remember that there's not a winner, there's not a loser. You are a partner in everything. So either you win together or lose together, always work together to find a solution. And the other thing I'd like to say as I'm opening up before I introduce our featured guests is relationships fail because people take their own insecurities and try to twist them into their partner's flaws. Excuse me. So today, I have a featured guest who's an incredibly talented international speaker, serial entrepreneur, artist, philanthropist, and a mom of two beautiful kids. She's also the co-founder of Mind Valley and the author of the transformational quest, Seven Days to Happiness, and live by your own rules. She started her early career in the government, and before that, she had joined a nonprofit sector and worked for organizations such as United Nations and Oxfam and AISCEC, or excuse me, AIESEC. In 2003, she co founded Mind Valley, a global school that delivers transformational education for all ages. In 2019, she launched Mind Valley Russia taking Mind Valley's best authors and teaching to speak Russian in the Russian markets. She also began a personal transformation in the industry of over 17 years, collaborating and playing with leading thinkers and teachers in conscious relationships and human performance and life optimization. She also talks about personal transformation, authenticity, understanding and acceptance of oneself and a path towards happiness. She's been recognized, quote me on this, people, she's been recognized as one of the top 10 influencers in online, making a difference in the world today, and was awarded the Influencer of Change, IFC, by the Global Impact Creators, GIC. Now, I know I've said a mouthful. (laughs) Maybe our featured guest will probably go, You know what, Greg, you didn't do such a great introduction introducing me. And so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Christina and say, do you have any opening remarks? Uh, Thank you so much. It's uh, it was a very thorough introduction. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for being on our show. Uh, Certainly a delight 
uh, first and foremost, to have uh, all of this kind of come together because you're on the other side of the world and uh, I'm here in the U.S. And uh, we like to give a, a big applause out to uh, to your PR representation to uh, to make this all happen. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Christina, as we jump into this, you know, some of the things we've seen out there, you know, regarding all the great things that you're doing with Mind Valley. We've also seen that as we start talking about finding a balance for equal partners, we found that you have a very um, outspoken point of view when it comes to finding a balance for equal partners, especially as it relates to considering that women should be better leaders than men. I'd like to start right there. Let's dive into this discussion and cut to the chase. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you see, my background is uh, from a very egalitarian uh, country, which does not exist anymore. I was born and raised in Soviet Union. And uh, somehow this equality between between men and women was uh, not just theoretical. It actually was... um, something which we grew up with thinking that it is it is how it is supposed to be of course in real life there were also traditional um aspects which actually made women uh, make certain choices about their lives. But generally, my mom worked all her life and mm-hmm. she had a career. She had actually at, at times better career success than my dad. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was educated in, in kindergartens and schools. So for me, that was uh, a natural a natural background. Uh, and um, when we, when I'm talking about the, the female and male relationships, I have to, I, I like to say that I'm talking mostly about the Western context because I've lived in if in two countries which are very different from how the West is right now, and by the West I mean U.S. and Europe, although U.S. and Europe are also quite different, uh, so um, I guess I guess there are two two ways to look at that. First of all, mm-hmm. as you said, I would like us to talk in terms of balance, not in terms of fight or in terms of struggle or in terms of right. you know who wins over whom, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of balance because I believe that men, men and women we we have to coexist That's naturally. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, maybe because I'm with a personal uh, growth background, I believe that a lot of the times we also create the situations they are the way they are by our own choices. And here is probably the the part of my rhetoric, which is a little bit contradictory or controversial, I would say, because Mm -hmm. I believe that a lot of the times in the West, women have quite a lot of opportunities to actually progress in any career they choose. But we often subconsciously make choices, uh, which... um, which rob us of our opportunities. And mm-hmm. I'll bring my own example. I had made a career by the age of 25 and uh, coming in, uh, I mean, being living in the post-Soviet uh, country by the age of 25, I actually had a career that my Western colleagues uh, would have made by 40. Uh, so I was a, like a rising star. But then I got married and I absolutely consciously, without even questioning, without even thinking twice, chose mm-hmm. to give up my career and move to U.S., from Europe to U.S. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I discovered that whatever I had achieved here in Estonia didn't mean anything, didn't count for anything. And I had to start from zero. But it wasn't, uh, I didn't 
doubt that I had done the right thing because I thought, you know, I'm a woman. I have to follow my husband. And that, that was the choice that I made mm-hmm. uh, that society didn't force me to make in a sense. So that's, that's what I'm talking about, that oftentimes um, we women also um, – we the choices that we make actually put places place us at disadvantage but then we can go deeper in discussing why do we make this kind of choices yeah you know i i think you bring up a really valid point and uh i like to interject here a little bit my own story um and you know in the sense that obviously yeah i am a, i'm a man but in the same context my wife um was born and raised in, in, in South America, in Latin America, so in Peru specifically. And so when we met, she was uh, a thriving, um, you know, logistics manager and, 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 and working, you know, quite well in her own country. And of course, when we started dating and we got married and we went through all the visa processes and everything else, she made the conscious choice to give up her career. Now, you know, we've been together for years and obviously, you know, the notion of what you experienced when you came here to the U.S. was the fact that everything that you had given up uh, to come here to the U.S. to follow your husband uh, obviously had no weight or no merit here in the U.S., which is something that I wish that they would change uh, based on your educational, you know, expertise and uh, your professionalism. But, you know, that's just the way that this country is, unfortunately. And I guess to my point, you know, I have always kind of put myself in the frame of mind to say, if the shoe was on the other foot, and I'm talking about any man that has to basically follow his his females or his wife's or his spouse or significant other's career path, would they make the same conscious decision? Because that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about finding a balance between equal partnerships. So in the circumstance that Christine and I have just mentioned, you know, the question is really on the table for our listeners that we would probably dive into here in just a minute is the fact that if women are willing to give up their careers and follow follow their spouses, would men do the same? And so as we talk about this even more, you know, I think from my standpoint, um, I've always been in favor of of doing whatever it takes because we all have to survive at some point in time. You have to be able to to make money and put food on the table, so forth and so on. So it doesn't really matter to me where it comes from. In other words, in America, we use this term called um, uh, household, uh, who's head of household or who's basically the leader um, in the house, you know, as far as income and so forth and so on. But ultimately... I think I am strong enough and I have enough, um, you know, mental capacity to be able to say that I would follow my wife if I had to go back to Peru and she wanted to get back into her career and do those things, which to me is is what a balanced relationship should should be about. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, um, it's uh, I think for me, the biggest question is why did this decision to give up everything that I had built in Estonia mm-hmm. because I had friends, family, career, everything. Why, why did this decision come so easily? Uh, that, that I guess, uh, is, uh, is a very important question to understand why we women don't even question, uh, or didn't, don't even pause to 
ask, is that what I want? Mm -hmm. I can't say that I was terribly happy when I moved to US. I lived in New York and thank God I love this city. And I Mm -hmm. felt uh, that it was the silver lining of the whole story. But it was a hard journey because I suddenly had to start from scratch. And um, and we make this kind of decisions over and over again through our life. Of course, biology <laughs> biology has made us uh, the, the the that part of the humankind who creates life. So uh, we um, we are kind of set from from birth uh, to believe that uh, we have to sacrifice a lot of things about our lives for the sake of the family or or husband, but. You know, uh, after we had a chat with you last week, um, Mm -hmm. I came across, probably not by accident, a TED Talk. I I unfortunately don't don't remember the talker, uh, the the speaker. Uh, It was a man, and he was talking about a very interesting concept about feminism for men. And he said, um, he quoted the research that showed the countries which are more egalitarian, that women and men both are happy in these countries, that it is actually good for men to... Uh, to, to to actually also uh, support women in uh, in in their um, equal opportunities, I would say, right? Equal opportunities in this mm-hmm. life. But mm-hmm. he gave a very interesting concept to, and that would be an answer probably to your question. He said, you know, as long as men chip in and give a helping hand in family, that's when the disbalance happens. They should come and share the chores. When it comes mm-hmm. to family, not help in, not you know chip in, but actually share, and that's I guess uh, something which I never questioned because, as I said, I was born in a very egalitarian society. Uh, so, um, and my dad is actually from countryside, so he was very used to any any kind of work. In fact, <laughs> at times mm-hmm. he was a baby better babysitter than my mom. <laughs> Even right. when I grew up, whenever I had an injury, I would call best dad, best dad. He's he's my doctor in a way. Sure. sure. <laughs> But but you know um, I I think that this this is something which and and I'm talking a very basic everyday life situation right now is that do we share this life with men or do we still uh, go by default into into certain tracks and don't even question is that what I want because you see uh, society thinks that women should want to do this and men should want to do this and the moment. Um, and we just blindly follow what society tells us, uh, sometimes forgetting that our natural inclinations might be different. So just just as an example of how, how it plays out wrong is I'm actually I love my work. And when I had my two children, uh, I still had my work, of course. I, at, at times, I would go on business trips for a week or, yeah, for a week, let's say. And it would be very busy and very hectic. And I'd forget to call my kids, but I'd be perfectly happy and content because I was doing Mm -hmm. the work that I love. Yet, you know, the society uh, teaches you to think that, no, but a good mother is the mother who always thinks about her children, who always puts children above her work, who always, um, like, I didn't behave like a good mother according to society's uh, standards. What happened was this strong conflict inside me because on one side, I enjoyed my work uh, and on the other side, of course, I love my children very much, but I felt so conflicted and so wrong. And I blame myself for not feeling, for not missing them more, for not uh, feeling more pain about not being around them. And I think this is, this is um, the deeper problem, which we, now we are, I made a step away from, from relationships between men and women into, into actually relationship with yourself. 
Sure. And uh, if if you allow me to just finish that that train of yeah, thought, and yeah, then go, ahead. go back to men and women, I believe that our relationships with the world start getting much better the moment we fix our relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if if uh, and and that that again is very uh, controversial what I'll say right now, but if we women suffer about something about the society, we we still first have to start with ourselves. Is my relationship with me fine? And when I'm at peace with myself, it's so much easier to interact with the rest of the world and then draw your boundaries and then talk about your needs and wants. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to interject something even more controversial just because you you went there and you opened up the doors for me to be a little bit controversial on this uh, podcast. But, you know, I understand your point of view when you say it starts with yourself, whether you're uh, man or woman, it it should start with yourself. Are you are you happy with yourself? Are you able to to deal with the adversity, uh, life challenges, and and those type of things? But I'm going to take this one step further. You know, sometimes even in society, regardless if you're happy with yourself, regardless if you have a strong enough will and the resiliency and the perseverance to be able to overcome a lot of things that society throws at you. There's still a huge stigma, particularly here in the U.S. and I know in other countries, uh, you know, worldwide, where we have this little thing called racism or stereotyping or whatever adjective you'd like to put on it that continues to put people in a box. And so, you know, when you're put into these boxes before you're even given an opportunity to show your personality, to show your skills, to show your value, your self-worth, you've already been judged. And so society, even though society itself has basically cast a lot of unwritten rules upon us, society has also been very harsh to those that really shouldn't shouldn't even shouldn't even have that harshness be cast upon them because they've they've done nothing you know to to deserve that and so you know here in america what i'm referring to which i know that mm-hmm. you're you're kind of unaware of um but but i'm going to bring this into our conversation because yeah. I, I i i love talking with you i mean i think this is this is great <laughs> this is great talk that we're having right now you know the thing that i want to bring forth is when we start talking about minorities. And I'm just not talking about the black community. I mean, if you look at what's going on with the Asian community here in America, you know, the hatred that's being cast, you know, the oppression that's being cast. I mean, there's so many things when we start talking about equality, when we start talking about inequality and and, and injust and all of these different things, finding the balance between relationships and heritages and cultures and various things like that, like we're talking about right now, finding a balance for equal partners, Mm -hmm. it becomes so much of an uphill climb, an uphill battle that it's it's like trying to move a mountain of Mm -hmm. something that has been breeded and homegrown in people's mental cortex for so many hundreds of years that they just think it becomes the norm. Well, in all actuality, it's not the norm anymore. I mean, we need to change, you know, and that's the whole purpose of 
of of what's going on with so many uprises and and protests that are happening today is we need to find that change. And I'm sorry I segued a little bit there, but I thought it was important because of the fact that you know you brought up how society plays a huge factor in that, and then you also talked a little bit about the fact of you know whether or not we ourselves, when we look at ourselves internally, you know, are we happy? Because a lot of times we find ourselves looking in the mirror and maybe we answer that question yes, and sometimes maybe we answer that question no. But mm-hmm. regardless of what that answer is, once you step outside that door, and if you don't have the right shade of skin color, mm-hmm. you're already being casted upon. And it happens each and every single day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, for those who don't know the context, uh, when we when we met last week, I, I did mention that I was brought up in a very homogeneous society, and uh, right. you know, having lived in uh, Europe and in Asia all my life, uh, yes, I did live in New York for a year. Um, I um, I would say I'm not very versed uh, in in uh, that that uh, particular question, the question of racism in U.S. I just know I'm aware that it is there. Right. Um, so, um, and this kind of changes are not easy. So, the, uh, the the probably the most understandable analogy for me is uh, climate change. It's such a massive problem, and you don't even know where to start. But you understand that you have to start somewhere. So, the the weight and the massiveness of that problem is for me maybe comparable to that uh on a on a lighter lighter maybe uh, level i i can understand the casting into uh into boxes uh to some mm-hmm. degree because i'm a woman and uh uh, in in the male world, uh, I also sometimes have to uh, play a certain role because otherwise I won't uh, I won't be uh, maybe understood or taken properly. So, to, as I said, on a lighter scale, I, I I can understand what you mean by you know you're being cast in a certain uh, mold and you have to you have to kind of break out of that. So, you know, there are so many ways to to look at that. On one side, of course. Uh, a human being has uh, probably potential and strength uh, to deal with any kind of circumstances, but we cannot expect that the whole society is strong. And we have to, mm-hmm. and that's the point about civilized societies, mm-hmm. that we actually help those who can't take care of themselves. So there are strong individuals. There will always will be strong individuals. Like I'm a woman and I'm thoroughly woman, even in the male world and system being a woman, I go on stage. Sometimes I got, got so much criticism for what I wear on stage, but I do it on purpose because I want to, I want to explain to people that my femininity, my womanhood is my strength. And just because I'm in the male world doesn't mean that I have to become a male uh, with female biology because I'm, then I'm losing my strength. But the thing is that I understand also that I'm a strong person. And uh, as a human being, individually, I can say that, yes, I could uh, survive in any kind of circumstances. And I've lived in Soviet Union. I've seen the, the revolution and the change and the, 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 that country disappeared. And then I've lived in very conservative society in Asia for 16 years. I just came back to Estonia. So uh, I get it. But then, you see, I can expect that from my children. I can raise my children like that. I can teach them that. Because as a mother, I'd like them to be happy. But I also understand that I can't. Um, I can't influence everything in their life and their world is going to be the way it is. So the best I can do is to prepare them to deal with anything in the world. But 
this is an individual point of view. As a society, if we want to be a civilized society, we have to take care of those who are the weakest, of those mm-hmm. who can't take care of themselves, of those who maybe don't have the strength, maybe don't have not even the strength, maybe they don't have the supporting parents, the supporting environment, someone, mm-hmm. you know, someone who will give them the right word of encouragement. And that's what uh, separates the wild, crazy societies of the past, the dark Middle Ages, from contemporary civilized societies where human rights matter, where uh, equality matters, where we understand that the society's role is to take care of its weakest members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's in, and in that aspect, yes, it is the whole. It is it is the job of the whole society to actually change the situation. But as I said, for me, since I'm I, I grew up in a very um, homogeneous environment, Soviet Union barely had any races. We had uh, only a little bit of Asiatic race. So it's it is it is a problem with which I'm not um, very um, experienced. So I. I I, I don't think that my advice is is of any value here, but yeah. I understand that it is, it is such a uh, humongous problem. Like that, that sometimes you just have to take one step at a time. You know, the next best step, and and hope for the better. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know here in the U.S. and and, and other places abroad where this has been such a uh, systemic problem is that these are the things that instead of the discussions being kept behind the closet or behind the closed doors, they're really now starting to come to light. And hopefully, you know, it may not happen in my lifetime, but uh, change is on the horizon. I mean, it, it will take time to to unravel, you know, the hundreds of years of oppression that has occurred to a lot of these different communities and races and societies that are out there. So, uh, so certainly we appreciate, you know, your input on that. And before before I segue here, you know, I wanna I wanna give you, you know, uh, uh, what I consider to be probably one of the biggest compliments is the <laughs> fact that, you know, for all the videos that I have seen you uh, talk to, you know, reporters or or just some of your some of your uh, individual talks, you know, I think your presence as a whole in general, you know, kind of says, hey. You know, number one, look at me. Number two, I am going to take you through my journey. And number three, it kind of represents that you command the stage. Because, you know, that was one of the things that really attracted our brand to to continue to pursue you to do this to do this to do this podcast is because of who you are and, and what you stand for. And uh, you know. Uh, we like to give you, you know, uh, you know, a lot of accolades and commend you for for continuing to do, you know, what you're doing out there. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. But I have to tell you, <laughs> I'm a very leisurely person, and I just found I'm 43. I just discovered that the easiest thing to do is to do you. <laughs> <laughs> this is number one, and number two, I think your strength is in exactly what you are. What you think is weird about you, what you think your quirk is, your your fault, your flaw, your you know all all your mistakes. This is what makes you the strongest. And and if we could just remember that, and we women particularly, you know, when when we are out there to to uh, ask the society to give us equal opportunities with men or to demand that society gives us equal opportunities with men, our strength is in staying women and not in becoming men in that fight. 
Right, right. Wow. You know, most people would slap me over the back of the head if I asked the woman their age. But, you know, hey, you, you shared it with us freely. I must say that, uh, you know, for me, I'm uh, I'm quite older than you. <laughs> <laughs> you you, do, you don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm uh I turned 50 last year, so I'm as they say over over the threshold as most people <laughs> call that here in America. <laughs> but maybe you know maybe our society should start uh, re-evaluating uh, the ages. At least, you know, World Health Organization has already expanded the youth and and shifted the middle age, but we have to realize that our generations are living much longer than than the generations before us and not just much longer will live differently. Think of uh, what our grandparents would be doing at our age. They wouldn't be living our lifestyle. Uh, you know, doing the things that we do because I'll, I'll, I'll give a very simple example. I love to go sure. to the Amazon rainforest, uh, very deep into the Amazon rainforest. So to the communities which got exposed to the outside world only in the 70s. So you can imagine when mm -hmm. I was born in the 70s, they were... Uh, they were still living primitive lifestyle, not realizing that there was civilization and world and technology and all this stuff happening outdoors. So I remember I was once visiting them and a friend there was saying like, oh, I'm an old man. I'm 32. I was like, what do you mean, old man 32? He's like, well, my life is finished. But the thing is that we we are not realizing how much our lifespan has expanded and how does this have to affect how we approach our own lives. So I think 50 is, is uh, you're barely middle age. Yeah, yeah, that's true. My uh, my lovely wife uh, from uh, from Peru, as I mentioned earlier, she keeps me on the on the health kick as best as she can. <laughs> So, Christina, you know, let's, uh, you know, I, I, I want to dive into uh, Mind Valley just a little bit before we run out of time. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're the co founder of Mind Valley, and Mind Valley's vision and mission is to do what? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, Mind Valley has been around for a while, so we've evolved and changed, but in a very broad. So for now, for now, our statement is that we want to give people an opportunity, or, or, or let's say we want to give people an opportunity in life, which is comparable to getting a degree from the best university, but for uh, for a fraction of a price. So in US, it's a big problem. People go for university degrees, they have to pay like a, a fortune, and then they start off their life with a huge debt and a, a piece of paper, which might not even guarantee a good employment. So that is our current statement. But I would like to take it uh, to take a step back a little bit and look at it more like in a historic, like, you know, like a big picture, like looking at, uh, at the whole galaxy. So I would say what we are doing is that uh, we're giving people uh, those skills and knowledge uh, that um, that we need for a happy, fulfilled, meaningful life. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say where this knowledge should be coming. Definitely not from school, because school is an academic institution that teaches you, you know, sciences, mathematics, and and, and languages. Uh, but when what you need for life is essentially um, your your maybe uh, a certain uh, outlook on life or ideas or mindset, right? You're, you you mm -hmm. have to understand how to live healthy life, how to eat healthy, move healthy, how to uh, 
be wealthy, how to create wealth, like financial wealth, how to have a meaningful employment, not necessarily like a job employment, but do something that your life actually has a meaning. And these these are kind of things that uh, we as a society, as a humanity, at least in the Western hemisphere, or let's say in the Western world, in the in the more uh, richer countries, we have come to the point where, where every single human being can actually... Um, sustain their life on a decent level. And we are starting to think about deeper things, about meaning in life, about being happy, about, you know, enjoying, enjoying this experience on earth. Uh, and that, that knowledge, uh, society has not been giving uh, from generation to generation in, in, in the, in the, in the right. way that would be practically usable. Uh, also, a lot of things are changing. As I said, we started living longer. We need, we need new knowledge about how to live healthy. Not, you know, 50 years ago, smoking was considered okay. Now we realize it's mm-hmm. such a horrible thing. So, so that's, that's basically what we are doing. We are, we are filling in the gaps in our uh, understanding of how to live so that you actually, uh, enjoy this experience on earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as, as I understand that you guys provide basically uh, kind of a global schooling uh, similar to a uh, university or college, as we may call it here in the U S that really closes the gap and, and finds a balance between really life understanding and the academia aspect mm-hmm. of the world. Very insightful. Go ahead. You know, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's oh no, sorry. I am a talkative person. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because uh, we, um, you know, as a humanity, if we look at us historically, where did we get our knowledge? Uh, before it was mostly religious institutions that would teach the people how to live. They some religious institutions would teach some academic knowledge as well, but mostly academic knowledge was accessible only to, for the very rich and for the nobility and for for the mm-hmm. people who were privileged. But then uh, schools became a little bit more accessible to people. So we still look at those institutions, whether it's a religious institution or a school for for that knowledge. Um, But the thing is that um, science is uh, evolving so quickly. And... um, and and sometimes we we as a society we can't come to to certain agreements. So let's say in Asian society, if you take Chinese society, it's mm-hmm. all about healthy, prosperous. They they uh, value prosperity. In fact, they they the, the, this is part of their religion in a sense. But mm-hmm. then if you look at Christian church, uh, we are in a in a completely different framework. So the virtues they are different, the values they are different. So because we can't agree about a lot of values as a society. Uh, it's it's really hard to make this knowledge accessible for everyone because somebody would say, oh, meditation is good, but somebody who's incredibly religious might say like, oh no, you can't blank your mind because it's so bad or, or like um, yoga is not allowed in, in for Muslim people in, in Malaysia where I used to live. Mm-hmm. So because there is so much disagreement about our values, a lot of valuable knowledge is not accessible to wider masses because somebody is out there telling like, no, this is dangerous. And I think this is... This, we are an education institution. We are trying to give knowledge to people and knowledge and, and empower people to actually make their own choices and decisions for themselves and, and see what's what's making them happy human beings. Because a lot of the knowledge has been given to us in a doma- dogmatic way. This is the way it's supposed right. to be. But it shouldn't be given like this. I think that we we have to we have to teach our children to to question things and to to choose for themselves and to decide for themselves what they want. 
Yeah, yeah. I I, I do I do like the fact of the overall um, notional you know explanation that you've exp- you've provided because you know I'm a parent and I have two daughters in in university at the same time and you know number one for me the cost of it alone is like buying you know two houses um and 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 you're and you're right you know there are really no guarantees and and of course you've heard here in the US and I'll just segue here just a moment you've heard here in the US how the wealthy has kind of manipulated the system in the college or university admissions for being able to get their kids into prestigious schools by paying uh, people behind the back door to allow for their their uh, their wealthy wealthy uh, siblings or, or excuse me wealthy children to be able to bypass the system of having to take tests. And so, what we found here recently within the past year is that uh, you know the system has been rigged in a lot of cases. And so the direction that you guys are going with Mind Valley, I think that's that's you know right on the cutting edge of education. You know, from a very simplistic matter, is because you have to have balance between both. I I can look back now and look at all of the things that I learned just from being a kid growing up with my dad and working with him, you know, around the house and on part time jobs, and those type of things. As you get further and further down the generation track. I find that my kids, and no pun intended, they can't even change a light bulb, you know? I mean, and and, and that's like, you know, you scratch your head and say, hey, you unscrew the light bulb and you screw in a new one. And, and and sometimes, you know, the mechanical things, you know, the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver, they just don't get that concept. You know, if it's not pushing a button or something like that, it just doesn't, it doesn't relate. And it's not, it's not, you know, knocking the fact of how smart or how intelligent they are. It's just the fact that it wasn't really something that, you know, I pushed upon them as a father, like my father pushed upon me because they were girls. And uh, mm-hmm. I wish they would have learned more of the survival aspects of, you know, how to check the oil in your car, how to change mm-hmm. a flat tire and, you know, all of these other worldly things mm-hmm. and shame on, shame on me for not providing that to them. But, uh, you know, it's always uh, it's always comical when I look back on it and go, "Wow!" You know, there's so many, so many, so many things about life, you know, to help you get over and help you survive in life. That uh, you know, I look at some of our kids today, and they they just don't have those skills. And I think mm-hmm. Mind Map is on the track to be able to close the gap on that and and kudos kudos out to you and and your founding member we we actually don't uh, don't don't particularly do the the practical skills it's more about like the skills that you the thing that you, you see the thing with diplomas is um i i think the problem is that we're looking at college or university as that institution that uh, produces diplomas and we believe that the diploma is the thing that is going to or degree whatever in Europe we call diploma in in US i guess it's a degree that it is it is essentially a piece of paper that you're getting out of an institution and we think that this is a guarantee of a happy life the problem is that the you know the the changes in the society happen so quickly and the 
the rate of changes is also increasing. So there are more changes happening and they're happening faster. So just the last year, I mean, now none of us should have these questions. Just last year proved how things can go completely upside down. And the things which were certain, let's say, um, a little more than a year ago are now uh, are not now not even part of the reality. So we have to adapt all the time. And a lot of a lot of the things that we study in university, they are a little uh, separated from reality, and they won't help you in the real life. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to make it clear: we are not um, uh, we 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 don't we don't claim that um, universities are going to disappear. They won't. It is a research institution. It's a scientific institution. So if you're an academic, a scientist, uh, university is the thing. I just don't believe that university or college should be a path for everyone, or it should be uh, something that we think that this Uh, this is uh, the only way to live a happy, prosperous life afterwards. So to actually, if to, to become rich, if you want to be rich, usually MBA is not going to teach you that, <laughs> whether, whether you like it or not, no matter which good university you're going to get it from. Uh, it's, it's a completely different set of skills which universities don't teach. My life shows, my experience in life shows that Uh, rich people are not rich because they got a good degree or because they were super smart uh, or good got good grades. Uh, it's a combination of so many, so many various things. Mindset for one, uh, a, mm -hmm. a certain kind of mindset, a, a certain kind of environment, and then of course the the, uh, the people in your life. A, a lot of a lot of things uh, contribute to that, but not the MBA diploma from from. Uh, even Harvard or whatever. That's not, that's not the thing, but you're right that the divide um, or, or the accessibility of good education uh, is a very um, elite and privileged things, unfortunately. And it's not, uh, and, and in US you, you, you have that system, but even in Europe where it's egalitarian and, and education is actually not so expensive. You like mm -hmm. uh, in most European countries, you can get a, um, a university degree for free because university, uh, the state will pay for it. Uh, but but the, it's, still, it's still unequally distributed because richer kids go to better schools. They live in better, uh, mm -hmm. better parts of town. And it starts so deep that even it, you just don't have the same opportunities as like the kids from, let's say, rural, uh, poorer areas who have access to, to more simple and, and um, you know, maybe not so uh, good teaching and, and teachers and schools. And right. uh, and no matter whether you're in US or in Europe, the divide is is there. What we are trying to to say is that you don't need a degree from Harvard to live a happy, fulfilled, meaningful life. If you don't have that access, if you don't have that opportunity, we can teach you everything you need to create a life which is going to be absolutely spectacular. And a lot of Harvard Law graduates are going to be miserable next to you. <laughs> yeah, well... You know, there's this old uh, old saying that goes um, here in the U.S. sometimes, and uh, I hear it occasionally, and it identifies that uh, more money, more problems. You know, and uh, <laughs> perfect perfect segue to uh, <clears throat> excuse me to 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 chime in to what you're saying there as far as the. Uh, the Harvard graduates and the Harvard lawyers. I mean, that's uh, it's pretty pretty funny. Well, Christina, look, you know, this has been um, 
this has been a real joy for me and a delight to, uh, number one, share this experience with you and the opportunity to get to know you better um, and, and learn a little bit more about all the great things that you're doing. And I have two more questions. And, mm-hmm. and, and really, really, the last question is really for you to provide us with information. But the, the first question that I have for you is, I've never heard of the IFC, which is the Influencers of Change <laughs> Award. And I was just curious, you know, who runs that program? Is it is it a, is it like an accredited type program? And how do you get nominated for something like that? <laughs> God, I wish I, I had the answer for you. The thing is that I got this award last year, uh, and they uh, this this organization is somewhere in California, and I was in Malaysia, and they sent me a letter and said, "Could you come and collect your award?" So I have really no idea, but I believe that somebody, uh, somebody who is subscribed to me had nominated me or suggested that I, because I, none in my team, nobody in my team did that. <laughs> and um, I was very grateful because my, you know, my Instagram account is not too big, but uh, I guess the award meant that uh, what I do out there is for, for change for the better. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly we we support you on all of the endeavors you've got going on, particularly as it relates to the change and the impact that you're putting out there in society and that you're casting out as a part of your outreach. Well, like I said, we think that's phenomenal. And so the last question that I have is, you know, we have a lot of listeners that, that listen to this podcast and uh, we are worldwide. And of course, you know, they always want to know, well, how do I get in contact? I mean, like with regards to, you know, Mind Valley, uh, if people want to know more about Mind Valley, um, how do they go about doing that? Do you have a website? Is there a website for Mind Valley? Oh, yeah. Provide us. Per- yeah, go ahead. There is mindvalley.com for sure. Uh, you won't see much of me because I am, uh, you, you will see me occasionally in English. I uh, am the face of Mind Valley in Russian language. Uh, as a, um, as Christina Mandlakiani, I do speak in English mostly <laughs> everywhere on Instagram and everywhere. But on Mind Valley, in Mind Valley Universe, uh, I mostly represent Mind Valley in Russian. So, but Mind Valley has so many great authors. So just go to mindvalley.com and there's plenty of uh, awesomeness there. Okay. All right. Thank you but very if much. If people want me, you'd have to look for me specifically. Right. 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 Understood. Understood. Well, certainly uh, we. Thank you very much uh, for your time. And, uh, you know, really, you know, the only thing left is is for me to kind of wrap up with a, with a quote here, which, you know, balance relationships are always based on freedom and not obligation. Any thoughts on that, Christina? Well, I think everything in this world is uh, based in freedom and not obligation. The moment when we think that somebody obliged, <laughs> that something has, someone has to do something, then that's when relations get out of balance. I think the happiest marriages are those where people are uh, uh, are in in the relationship because it's it's beneficial for both, not because somebody has to. Uh, the happiest uh, relationship between parents and children are when they're based in understanding and freedom of choice and, and respect for each other's freedom and not when, you know, 
somebody is, is uh, let's say, a parent is forcing things on 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 uh, on children. So it's it's in any kind of relationship. I I totally agree. It's it should be based in in your free will, free choice, your and and mutual respect, and not in in. Uh, you know, you have to actually, you know, even in, in work, in business, I've noticed but you know, sometimes employees think that employers think that, oh, I, I pay you the salary you have to. But actually, mm-hmm. in the 21st century, in those countries where we all live, uh, it's it, it doesn't work like this. We, mm-hmm. we have to understand you cannot force anyone to do or feel or think anything. You cannot force a person to change. You cannot force a person to go and learn something or, or give up something. Only when they they come to that out of their own free will is is the change going to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we have to hope that our societies are going to mature enough to take care of, of, of the weakest parts of the society, of every single one who can't take their care of themselves. Yep. Yep. Totally, totally agree. And before we before we wrap up here, your your two uh, transformational quests are those published as books: Seven Days to Happiness and Live by Your Own Rules. And if so, how could people uh, obtain a copy of that? So um, both of these quests are on Mind Valley platform. So Mind Valley okay. subscription. I believe in English, you can still purchase them separately. Uh, live uh, live by live by own rules is is a full thirty one day quest. I think seven days to happen is free, uh, so you can do it for free. Uh, they're they're different. Seven days to happiness is actually a very practical uh, seven part course on on. Uh, on, on practices and techniques you can do to, to uh, elevate your happiness levels and, and live by own rules is a deeper, uh, deeper journey. So that one, that one is on mind value platform. If you go to mind value, you should be able to find all the information. Um, or you can find me on Instagram, Christina Mand, Christina Mand is the handle and, and there's information on the quest as well. Excellent. 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 Well, certainly, thank you very much, uh, Christina. This has been a joy and a delight. Uh, as I've said before, it's been uh, a very insightful discussion to talk about finding the balance for equal partners. Um, we wish you well on your endeavors and everything that you continue to do. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still keen on this influencer of change. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could give you more information, but you know how it is in life. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna... You did well, and you go like, "Thank you." Somebody recognized me, and I'm happy. For yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I'm always. I mean, it seems like you know, it's, it's it's like there's so many of these different awards that pop up. Some of them are like uh, you know, winning an Oscar or an Emmy or a Golden Globe. I'm sure you've heard those things, and uh, you know, for me, I'm always I'm always curious as to how do how do these things pop up. But I'll get my team working on that. <laughs> All right, so. So anyway, we're, we're going to wrap up. This has been episode 124 entitled Finding a Balance for Equal Partners. Christina, thank you for your time. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week and uh, continue doing the great things that you're doing out there. And hey, you never know when we start recording again, you know, in, in May or June, uh, after I take a little bit of a break, maybe we'll see if we can get you back. <laughs> thank you. That's be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody. Take care. This is your host, Gregory Proctor. This has been Cut to the Chase. Bye-bye.
Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.